0: It is good to have you worshiping with us here at Faith Bible Church. Uh, I want to tell you a story that happened to me this past week. Uh, I was driving along in my car and came across obviously a construction zone that told me to slow down. Um, I was doing 70 miles an hour and the construction zone said that I needed to slow down to 45 um, and that at the point at the end there was a stop sign that I needed to obviously be aware of. So as I continued to drive I noticed that it said slow down. saw the stop sign and uh, went careening through it, barreled into essentially the end of the road, uh, crashed the car, and the policeman came forward. And as he walked up to my car, he essentially tapped on my window, looked at me, and he said, can I ask you a couple of questions? And I said, of course, officer, you're more than welcome to do so. And he said, did you see the construction zone? Did you notice that you were supposed to slow down? Did you see the stop sign in front of you? Did you make any attempt to do so? Now, you would think at that point in time that perhaps I would have said, you know, gosh, I was distracted, Um, you know, I just didn't see it, I had other things on my mind, I'm really sorry. But I turned to him and I said, no, I saw all of them. I knew what was going on, I knew that I was supposed to slow down, I knew that there was a construction coming forward, I knew there was a stop sign in front of me. I just didn't think they applied to me. I just didn't want to do what they said. Right? Now you look at that and you think, what does that have to do with scripture? Friends, if I were driving my car and that occurred, you would probably say maybe we need to revoke your license. But what I want to throw out to you today as we're looking in this passage in James is not to merely listen to the word, but to do what it says. As crazy as that analogy is, what I want to encourage our hearts and lives in, several of us are driving cars, and we're ignoring the signs on the highway of what God is telling us and calling us to do. We often find ourselves in the similar situation that I was in. Now, this is not true, and I wanna let you know that I am a safe driver. I do have a feeling that all of you will either get out of here before I leave, or when I get in my car, you'll wait until I drive home, okay? I get that. But in that analogy, How many of us are driving a car and ignoring the signs that God is posting in our lives? Friends, the Word exists in our lives not just to be heard, although that is important. How do we know what to do if we don't hear, listen, or read the Word? But if all we're doing is hearing, listening, and reading, but not allowing it to apply to our lives and doing what it says, we're essentially in the same analogy that I just gave. We're driving down a highway, ignoring the signs that are there. This morning, I wanna take a minute, we're gonna be looking at a passage in the last part of the first chapter of James that specifically speaks to this. It talks about doing the word. Now, before we begin, last week I said, we don't do the word to gain the approvability of God. I don't want anybody thinking, like, if I just do more, God is going to approve me more or love me more. No, we do, knowing that we have been approved wholly, fully, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection from the grave, and placing our faith and trust in him. But also, what I want to encourage you in is, friends, how many of us are just coming to church, hearing the word, and then completely forgetting and not doing what it calls us to do? And then, lovingly, when we get into an accident and things aren't going the way that we want, we actually blame God. It's your fault, God, for the situation that I'm in. It's your reason why I'm struggling here. And lovingly, all along the way, God is saying, I'm here, I'm giving you my word, I'm telling you what to do, I'm telling you, hey, there's a construction zone coming, slow down, be careful, be cautious, and you're ignoring the signs all along the way. And so this morning, I want to read to you a passage, but first we're asking a simple but very important question, is hearing or reading the word of God enough? is hearing or reading the word of God enough What do you think I want to take a minute and I want to just tell you a quick story continuing in this traffic analogy about anger and rage Anybody been out on the highway lately Are people really friendly out there I was, I was, this is a, this is a true story. I was driving on the highway yesterday. I was on the interstate and I'm gonna try to set this up. I'm in the, in the fast lane and there is a lady ahead of me in the fast lane and there's a truck kind of behind coming up to me. Now she's in the fast lane and the speed limit is 70 miles an hour. She's doing, I'm guessing 68 or something like that. Now what, just, can I ask a quick question? What do we know about the fast lane? Okay, it's for passing, or better yet, politely, I, I'll just say this: slower traffic should you be in the fast lane what what should you do move, move aside just lovingly am I, am I correct here? Okay, so I'm doing i'll'll admit I'm okay, here's my sin. I'm doing seventy two Okay, so I slow down to 70, right? And I, and I come up, and um, I'm behind, politely, okay? I mean, there's enough distance. I'm not riding her tail or anything along these lines. The person next to me is essentially doing about 72 like me, and I've got to kind of wait. Like, I can't, you know, I can't get over to go past her. So I'm driving along. I wait. This person comes along, right, passes and kind of continues to stay sort of slow, but there's, a, there's enough of a gap, a generous gap, right? That I can come around, she doesn't get over, she continues doing her thing, right? You know, I'm entitled, this is, this is my car, etc., etc. So I come around and then I go through the gap. Now, it's a gap, I will admit that, but it wasn't like Mario Andretti, trust me, I'm just not that confident in my car. So as I come around, right, I get this honk on the horn, and I get this, praise Jesus, you are the most wonderful person in the world, thank you, God bless you, go on, all I'm going to tell you is I get a honk on the horn, and I know what she said, (laughs) even though I didn't hear it. (laughs) Why are people so angry? Why are we so enraged? Why are we so entitled? Why do we think that when we're wronged that we need to get even? It's interesting. I want to set this up for you, and we're going to then take a look in the passage of James. Um, this is a, a statement that I think is so important for us to see. There is a general breakdown of social conventions, of manners, of social controls. This gives a validation a permission to be aggressive. Do you see this? Err, uh, right? Kids used to be guided by a social convention that said, keep the lid on. Today, they are guided more in the direction of taking it off. This is by James Gabarino. Um, some of you may or may not know him. He's an author. He was a professor at, Loy- uh, he's currently a professor at Loyola University of Chicago, but he was also the former human development uh, professor at Cornell University, and he is speaking toward the major social shift that is, has progressed toward anger as displayed in American society today and over the past several years. Would we agree that we see people that are much angrier today than they were? The final thing that I want to give you is this. How many of you have been on Facebook and you see these situations where somebody walks up and they absolutely go ballistic at a coffee shop because they don't get sprinkles on their caramel macchiato? they like get mad, they throw the cup of coffee at the barista and basically curse him or her out because they didn't get the order that they wanted. Or there's others where people get mad because they end up getting a French fry in their set of curly fries that they should have had at Arby's and they go off. Not knowing the whole time probably that the poor barista or the person at Arby's that's working there is short-staffed, probably having to work extra hours, and maybe their friends didn't show up for work that day. We get angry because we feel that we're entitled. We get upset because we feel we deserve something. We display anger because the world says, you know what, it's better to be angry because then you get what you want. And we fall suit into this And friends, what I want to show you in a minute is James has a wonderful word about how we can be different. We can use and allow the word of God to apply to our lives and not become enraged. We can serve other people as we look to him and allow the word of God to permeate our hearts and our lives. So obviously, if you're following along in your bulletin, you notice that the answer to this question is hearing or reading the word of God enough. No, it isn't. Great, sermon's over. We can go home. What I want to tell you is this. There's a reason why James put this in scripture. Friends, it seems very easy. Okay, we hear the word and we do it. But he's saying, friends, what I'm seeing, what I'm noticing in the church is you're hearing things. But then after you're hearing them, you're doing nothing about it, meaning applicationally. It's not affecting your life. And what I want to tell you is faith in Christ culminates and is essentially what is our life when we're doing the word upon hearing what we've been told. We're allowing it to permeate our hearts. We're being changed and transformed. So let's take a look at what he has to say. Again, we're in James chapter one. We're looking at verse 19 through the end of the chapter. And first and foremost, again, James is writing in and around 40 to 45 AD. He is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Specifically here, he's writing to the church in Jerusalem, but also what he calls the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, the people of God. They are going through, essentially, some challenging times, and James, essentially, here, is writing on a very applicational level. This is rubber meets the road. This is hear the word, but then do the word. But more importantly, upon hearing the word and knowing who God is and what he's done in your life and how he has lived and died for you, blessed you and encouraged you, there is the motivation behind doing the word because you are loved by God. Again, I want to just reiterate before we dive into this, we're not doing the word to gain the approvability or love of God. We're doing the word because we have already received fully the approvability and the love of God. Listening and doing, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Right there, I think the world could have a heck of a lot of good if we just camped on that verse. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I'm stopping there for a minute. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I want to go back. I'm not going to camp too much on this traffic analogy, but construction zone, stop sign, danger, warning, heed to what is there. Oh yeah, I see it, but it doesn't apply to me. I'm just not, yeah. I, I, I get it. No, I'm going to do what it says. I'm going to slow down. If there's a stop sign, I'm going to stop. Friends, what I want to ask you is this, lovingly, perhaps if your faith is struggling, if it's dry, if it's blasé, if you are just looking and you're saying, where is God? Lovingly, what I want to ask you is, perhaps, is it that you're just listening to the word of God and not doing it? Now, God loves you. God cares about you. But what I want to tell you is when the Christian life comes alive, when we see God work, when we see His blessings in our lives amidst the struggles, the challenges, the difficulty that is there, it's when we're doing it. It's when we're living it. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And then he continues with an analogy. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, look at this analogy, but the man or woman who looks intently, forcedly, desiringly, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues and continues to do this. We're going to talk about this later on in the message. Not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. But doing it. He, she, you be blessed in what you do friends lovingly you want to be blessed by the word of god do what it says non-legalistically okay i'm not sitting there let's all be legalistic you know send police on people but you're struggling in your life and you're wondering where god is and why he's not answering your prayers what i want to ask you is are you doing the word of god Because in this analogy, friends, if I'm driving down the road and I ignore all of these signs on the highway and I get into an accident and then I turn around and say, God, where were you in this? And he's like, I was right here telling you, slow down, stop, do this, and you ignored it. Why is he to blame for my what? Self-pride and desire not to heed to what God is calling me or telling me to do. If anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue and deceives himself, his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts, as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Friends, this is a great passage. It's It's a simple passage, okay? It's very applicational. It's pretty much, okay, this is very obvious. This is what you're telling us to do. But also it's there for a reason because so often friends we become stuck in listening but not doing and then we wonder where god is at so let's take a minute i want to first camp on a couple of verses 19 through 21 and this is kind of what i want to show you I think, essentially, what James is saying to us is is that we're called to rid ourselves of anger and humbly receive the word of God. So, I told you about the story of the lady who, you know, I passed and she said, you know, praise Jesus, God bless you. So here was my reaction. This is what I did, right? I immediately slammed on my brakes. She rear-ended me. I jumped out of my car, went over, pulled her out of the car and essentially beat her to a pulp. There was a minute where I wanted to do that, but no, interestingly enough, I'm like, I'm preaching a sermon on James and anger, probably not a good thing to do. I just waved, I just said, you know, hey, sorry, like, I- I'm going forward. Now, interestingly enough, she didn't really calm down, I think she kind of said a few more words, but I went on my day and, and, and did my thing. Friends, when do you become angry? Unrighteously so. I do want to talk a minute. There is something about righteous anger, and James is very specific here. It's okay to be angry righteously when the word of God is perverted, when people aren't essentially doing what God calls them to do. But we also become angry at the world, and we become angry with the world, don't we? How often do we hear from friends the thing of get even, Get back at them. Do your thing. They hurt you, they punch you, punch them back harder. They hurt you this way, get them back that way. Get even. Sounds good, doesn't it? What does the word say? They hit hard, turn the other cheek. Let them hit that one too. Now, I'm not saying let's just be abused. But scripturally, what do we do and what are we called to do as Christians? We're called to turn the other cheek. We're called to love. We're called to go and be that love to people. We're called to be the voice of reason amidst anger in our world. Friends, I think we have a very challenging but a very wonderful opportunity ahead of us as followers of Jesus Christ as the world continues in rage and in anger. And that's this. To listen. To hear to see where people are coming from. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to join them. But so often, what do we see in our world? And younger generation, I really want you to hear this because what I see on Facebook, Instagram, if I'm on TikTok, this, that, or the other thing, is the moment that you are in a disagreement with someone that has a different opinion than you do, you shut them down with words like, bleep, bloop, 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 that usually ends in booger face. You loser, blah, 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 etc., etc. That's not productive. Anger is not going to get you anywhere. What's going to get you somewhere is to listen, to hear, to love, not necessarily agree with the position, but certainly not become angered with the person. We look and we see. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Quick to become angry. Quick to have your right heard. I see so much in our world when people are in an argument, they're not listening to the person. They're formulating what they want to say back before they even hear what's being said by the other person. Friends, the church could be an amazing blessing in this. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. How many of you have been in an argument or been in a disagreement with someone? And the moment that you say something, you get about halfway through your sentence And the next thing you know the person is already saying something combatively against what you said and you haven't even finished what you were going to say has that occurred to anybody here i'm the only one what if we listen what if we hear Friends, right now in our world, with so much of what's going on, with so many of these big political things that are happening, with so much of the change, rather than just arguing, rather than just forcing, perhaps what we need to do is listen. And before we speak, Maybe we slow it down a bit. Maybe we hear their heart. Maybe we allow them to express their things. And what we come to discover... Is hidden behind the anger, the rage, the fear, the disagreement, the different political stance, the different view on this, that, or the other thing, that that's not really the issue that is there. It's that they're scared, they're fearful, they're wondering if there is a God, and if anybody cares and hears and wants to let them know that there's more than the fear that they have in their life, and that the world, even though it is getting more difficult, is not falling apart because there is a creator God who has made it and loves it and loves you and loves that person just the same. That's where the gospel gets powerful. See, Leslie Charles says this, why is everyone so cranky This is what she says. Here's a snapshot of the cranky historical perspective featured in this book. Now, I want to lay this foundation. She wrote this book back in 1999. And what she does is essentially she goes through from the 40s to the 50s to the 60s to the 70s to the 80s and to the 90s and essentially demonstrates how crankiness and anger has manifested itself in American society today. And, P.S., by the way, It was bad there, and that was in 1999. We're in 2022. This is what she says. Here's a snapshot of the cranky historical perspective featured in the book, a series seemingly insignificant of incidents taking place over five decades. These occurrences systematically blurred our social boundaries to a point that behaviors we once considered private or public and polite or pugnacious have converged People now feel free to openly express their crankiness, anger, or rage whenever that may be. Ah! Sorry, I just, I don't know, just felt like I was angry, so I just wanted to express it, right? That's the point that I'm making. Do we see that in society today? We just see people just expressing anger. And here... James is speaking to how to move away from that, not to converge in it. Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I will admit that in certain things I do a better job than others. There are moments where you kind of push my buttons and I might become angry. I I readily admit that, I'm human. But also, friends, as I'm looking at this, I'm very convicted by it. I'm going, God, help me through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you're saying here. When I'm angered, when I'm upset, help me to stop, to slow down, to listen. Because often what I see when someone is angry, if you sit down and you listen to them enough, What you discover is the real underlying aspect behind the anger that is being displayed, and then you can move forward and actually gain traction with that individual. But it takes time to listen. I'm not gonna say individual people, but there are a couple of people in my life, in our congregation, and in our community that when you go up to them at the beginning, they're very brass and brazen, But if you take 10 or 15 minutes to get to know them, they're teddy bears, they have the best heart ever. They love people more than you think. But it takes time, what, to listen, to hear, to move forward, to see who they are. And the next thing you know, you're like, holy cow, those individuals have the sweetest, most amazing heart that I've ever, ever seen. And then he continues on, And he says, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. The reason that I want to encourage us in this is, number one, we have a great opportunity as a church, as the body of Christ, in those moments of the world that are angry, when people are throwing their macchiato at a barista because they didn't get sprinkles on it. to not be angry. Friends, we have those moments in life when we are wronged to not get even. We have those moments when we go into a place and we order something and it takes 30 or 45 minutes and it should have taken five to go to the person and say, hey, thank you, I know you're working hard. I know you're the only one here. I know your friends haven't shown up to work. Thanks for doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And PS, by the way, here, here's an extra five bucks because I know how hard this is on you. Baby steps, friends. People can turn and they can see you and they can say there is something different about that person. I don't know, maybe you get into a conversation with them. And you say, you know, here's why I'm not angry. Because I serve a God who loves me and has every right to be angry with me. But he chose instead to give me eternal life through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Guys, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I'm not perfect at this. There are moments when I've had to go back and say, man, I blew it. Talk to my kids. (laughs) They know. But I'm asking God, and I'm working each day, and I'm saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Help us to move forward continues on, and it says, therefore, get, all, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. That's what we're going to talk about in a minute. Get rid of all moral filth. Guys, what are we doing to get rid of moral filth? I'll be 100%, I'm not going to go too far on that, but moral filth is everywhere. It's not hard to find it. In fact to be honest with you we're not even looking for it and sometimes it can find us what are we doing to get rid of it what are we doing to move forward what are we doing to say you know what yes it's there because it is it's not going to go away to be honest with you it's probably going to get worse but what are we actively doing to get rid of it in our lives Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Gosh, this was written close to 2,000 years ago when he's saying evil. I'm a happy guy. I love my life. Life is good. But can we all agree that evil's pretty prevalent right now? Okay, it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us. It was prevalent back then. It will always be prevalent until Jesus returns. And takes his bride home to dwell with him in his kingdom. It is prevalent. It isn't going away. But what are we doing to get rid of it? Well, first and foremost, can we humbly accept the word planted in us? Guys, and I should I say, should, all of us, That's not just guys, all of us. Let's get rid of our Pride. Let's go before God and say, you know what, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to show me what to do. I need you to mold me more and more and more into the image of my Savior as the world says, no, it's all about me, myself, and I. Humbly accept the word Planted in you notice that analogy it's planted in you now first and foremost he doesn't say humbly accept the word given to you and I think this is interesting he could say given to you but I think he says planted in you why anybody when you plant something what do you do you hope it grows right I mean, I don't know about you, but if I plant something, I'm like, I'm not sitting there going, oh, I'll just plant it and I don't care if it grows or not. If I plant a tomato seed, I'm hoping to get what? A tomato plant. And so the purpose behind this, when he's saying humbly accept the word planted in you, is the reason is as the word is planted in you, it's there so you will grow. How do you grow? Well, you grow by hearing, having the seed planted. You grow by doing the word of God in your life. So first and foremost, we're called to rid ourselves of anger and humbly receive the word of God. I think we have a great opportunity here to not be angry, to not be the people that want to get even. Friends, I also think we have a great opportunity to listen to people who are different than we are. I am not saying we agree with them. I am not saying that we go to their cause. I'm not saying that we validate what they're doing, but are we listening to them? Or are we simply just going and trying to combat them before we hear their heart and their reason for why they think or do what they do? Can I tell you, praise God, that Jesus listened to me for 21 years as I fought him in my life and didn't want anything to do with him? And rather than getting angry with me and calling me a butt face, he loved me and brought me to his kingdom Can we do the same? Now, Jesus is the one who saves, but can we model that to other people? We get to verse 21, um, and uh, we kind of start seeing this idea of the next thing that I want us to, to look at. We're called to rid ourselves of anger and humbly receive the word of God. However, we're not merely called uh, to hear the word, but we're called to do what it says. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. James is very poignant. He's saying, look, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourself. So here's the thing. If you're just listening to the word and you're like, great, that's wonderful. Got my, you know, got my fill for the day. I heard Pastor Trevor. He said a couple of good things. He was kind of boring here. You know, didn't like that, whatever. That's fine, I get it. But if that's all you're doing, you're deceiving yourself. Because all you're doing is listening. Will you go and do what it says? That's where we gain traction. That's where we gain sanctification. That's where we gain life with Jesus Christ. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. Anybody look in the face in the mirror this morning? probably pretty much all of us as we got ready to come to church. Do you remember what you look like? Kind of, sort of, I do. I, I, got, I got up and, and, and looked in the mirror. I was all excited to kind of get myself all prettied up and all this kind of thing. Couldn't wait. You know, it took a while, I'll be honest, and it takes a lot longer now that I'm older. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, I'm looking pretty good. I've been exercising, I'm losing some weight. And the next thing you know, I have this like alien thing that's about ready to pop out of my head and like come and attack you all, right? And I'm like, oh man, thank you Jesus for keeping me humble. I know it, I've got a nice monster alien right here. The analogy that we're going with here, friends, is... When you look to the word of God, you should remember it, recall it, and reflect it. And the manner of how you do is by doing what is called to do. If you're not, it's like you're looking in the mirror and you're forgetting who you are. Now, why that analogy? Why the analogy of who you are? In Jesus Christ, friends, you are a son or a daughter of the living king with an eternal inheritance you are free from sin, free from death. You have eternal life. You are blessed beyond measure. You are his, you are holy loved, and nobody nor anything is going to take that away from you. There is the picture of you looking at yourself in the mirror of Jesus Christ. Does anybody want to forget that? No. So in not forgetting that, you're doing what it says. And if you're not doing what it says, then you're forgetting what you've just seen as to who you are in the image of our Savior Jesus Christ. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks, but the man or woman, this is where we go, okay? Number one, look, okay? But look intently. Intently, how? I think that's a very important word. It doesn't just say, but look. It says, look intently. Looking intently means, Lord, I'm looking into the scripture and I'm looking with intent to see what it is that you're telling me to submit myself to what I'm asked, called, or spoken to believe understand be not be do or not do fully knowing that all the time I'm loved by you and I'm your child and I don't need to do this to gain your favor I do so because I have your favor and I am a son or a daughter of a living king so can I ask a question when we're looking in the word are we looking with intent to see those moments where God convicts us of our sins and says, oof, and when we do, do we heed to what he calls us to do? Do we ask him for help? Do we go to him and ask for forgiveness? Do we thank him for the blessings that he gives? Do we thank him for the wisdom that he has? Do we praise him for those moments where God spares us from something that we perhaps deserve. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, okay, essentially this is just the writing for the scriptures, the law, the gospel of God, it's perfect. Let's look intently here. This is what we need. Not to the world. Not to what the world says we should do. okay great i did it and i i did it once here's the other syndrome that i see i did it and i did it once i came i looked intently into the word of god right why god why aren't you doing anything i did it i did it once what do we continue to read and what continues to do so Friends, the Christian life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Praise God, I've seen God work miracles in people's lives. I've seen God change people's lives like this. But the most that I've seen is God's changed people's lives over an extended period of time as they continue to intently look into the word and do what it says. It's a long haul, people. And little by little, we're set apart, we're sanctified more toward our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and less to the world. We continue on, and it says, the man who looks intently to the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard. So don't forget it, but what? Doing it, doing it, he, she will be blessed in what he does. Friends, there are moments in doing the Word of God, it's not easy. It's countercultural, it sets you apart, it puts a target on your back, it gets the enemy right behind you, ready to take you down. but in doing it, you are blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Anybody? Friends, if you want to be blessed, don't just hear the word, but do what it says not legalistically, I'm not talking legalism, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, as you read the word of God, as you hear what it says, if you want to be blessed, then do what it says. Perhaps, if in coming to church, you're looking at it and you're saying, I don't feel blessed, and I'm not prosperity gospel, that is not where I'm going lovingly what I might ask you to ask yourself is, is it that I'm asking God to bless me, but I'm not doing what God is asking me to do? We're called not to merely hear the word, we're called to do what it says, and then lastly, doing the word, okay? Doing what the word says brings blessing from God's and demonstrates our sincere faith. Friends, lovingly you want to know that you have a sincere faith in Christ, it's when you're doing what God asks. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religious is worthless. It kind of goes back to slow to speak, slow to, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, Slow to speak, slow to become angry, um, quick to listen. And then it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their desires and distress, to keep himself from being polluted by the world. It's interesting, okay. Um, sort of a summative statement about this section, meaning verses 19 through 27, I think is, is very well stated in the ESV study Bible. I want to share this with you, and then I want to kind of continue in a few things for the conclusion of this message. The ESV study Bible says this, this section on obedience, okay, so it's very clear, it's about being obedient, doing what you are called, doing what you're asked, concludes with three characteristics of the one whose religion is pure. Friends, we want a pure religion, we want an undefiled religion before God, this is what we are being asked. Essentially, that is one who does the word. Are you doing the word or are you merely hearing it and ignoring what we're called to do? First, he refuses self-deception and bridles his tongue, all of us, she, he, they, okay? Righteous anger is fine, worldly anger is not. Second, he shows mercy and love to the oppressed. Are we showing mercy and love to the oppressed? Or are we demanding that they become more like us? Third, he remains unstained from the world. I'm not saying not to be in the world, I'm just not saying, or what I'm saying is not to become part of it. We're in the world. We need to be in the world. We're the light of the world. We're called to go into darkness. But friends, what I want to tell you this is is as a light of the world, don't allow the darkness to overcome you to where it takes away your light. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I want to take a minute, and this isn't summative. This isn't the only thing. It's not like, okay, guys, if you want a pure religion, look after orphans and widows, okay? There are other things that we're called to do, but are we? There's a lot of people in our community, in our church, that would love a phone call, would love a visit. I'm not saying that you gotta go and, 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 and you know, spend hours and hours with them, but an hour? Just swinging by and saying, hey, how are you? Tell me about your life. Are we doing so? or are we too busy, and, and I'll raise my hand. I'll be the first one to say, God help me in this. And the next thing is, is are we doing what we can to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world? Not everything that the world puts out is something that we should accept. So what do we do? Well, first and foremost, is hearing or reading the word of God enough? Obviously, I pray that we've heard and I've done a good enough job to help you see. No, we're called to rid ourselves against anger and humbly receive the word of God. We're also called to not just merely hear the word, but we're called to do what it says, recognizing that in doing what the word says, it brings blessings from God and it demonstrates our sincere faith. So... What does this look like? I want to just do something. I hope this is kind of fun. Some of you might not enjoy it, but I wanted some practical little things that we could potentially do in the next week. And we're going to continue in my traffic sign motif. That sound good? So as we're driving, first and foremost, when you come across a stop sign, okay, first and foremost, anything that says prayer, keep your eyes open. I don't want you closing your eyes on the road as you're driving, right? Okay, caveat. When you come across a stop sign, will you take a moment, just a, just a moment, to stop and pray or thank God for what he's doing in your life? God, thanks for this. I pray for that. Okay. Next thing you know, I'm gonna cause a massive traffic jam. Faith Bible Church leaves, goes to stop sign at 44, takes an hour and a half because everybody who left there stopped and prayed for five minutes. I will be guilty. I would be happy to be guilty for that. The next one, when you come across a yield sign, okay, maybe ask God if there's something in your life that might be drawing you from him. God, is there a reason you're telling me to yield here? Is there something that I'm not doing or I'm doing that's pulling me away from you? And you're saying, hey, whoa, wait a minute. Look around. What can you do to change that? And then ask him if you're pursuing your own will and not, haha, I love this, yielding to his. That was pretty creative, right? Are you yielding to the Word of God? When you come across a 25-mile-per-hour sign, ask God if you need to slow down a bit and spend a little more time with Him. God, am I just blazing through life, not looking around? Am I not seeing what you're doing? Do I need to just slow down? Or if in your busy schedule, maybe you have a moment to reach out and visit someone who is elderly and or a widower. God, I'm going to slow down today and I'm going to make a purpose to go and visit someone. When you come across a slow or children at play sign, praise God for the innocence of children and ask him how you might be able to pour into their lives because friends, the children, are the future of the church. It might take just two seconds to go up to somebody and give them a pat on the back to go up to somebody and say, hey, Jesus loves you. It might take an hour and a half as you meet that student or that child and you realize that they're hurting and they're struggling and they're in deep need of somebody to come up and say, I've been there, I've done that, and I want you to know that God loves you. When you see a handicap sign, stop and ask yourself if you've helped someone in need lately. Have I helped somebody in need, somebody less fortunate than me? Maybe somebody that just needs a leg up. And then personally, my favorite, when you see a cattle crossing sign, change your dinner plans from salad and veggies to a big greasy hamburger with cheese, bacon, and all the toppings. (laughs) Can I get an amen to that one? Amen. Friends, I know this is, is a little bit kind of, but these are just little fun things Now, please hear me, there is way more to this, but these little things, if we just put them into our life, can begin to make a huge difference in who we are and how we go about living our life for God. I said it before, I'm going to leave you with sort of the take-home truth that simply hearing the word, please hear me on this, and James is so direct on it, simply hearing the word will not bring about spiritual vitality. Friends, you want a vibrant spiritual life with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? It's great to hear the word, thank you all for coming to hear the word of God. But I'm going to tell you, just hearing it ain't going to get you anywhere. It's doing what the word says that brings about a life full of blessing. It's doing the word of God. It's being active in your faith. It's allowing the word of God to permeate your life and change and transform who you are and how you live as you're molded and shaped more and more into the image of our Savior Jesus. I'll leave you with this. We can contemplate it. I think Francis Chan says it quite simply and quite effectively. Truth, faith manifests itself through actions. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for James's word. We thank you for his challenge as well as his encouragement. I do pray that we would just be More than listeners, we would be doers. Remind us again, we're not doing to gain your approval. We've already been approved. We are wholly loved, wholly forgiven, and wholly yours. Father, we do because of who you are and what you have done. But in that, Lord, I pray that as the word falls into our heart, it would take root and that it wouldn't just go away. But rather, as we go about our week, As we go about our daily living, we would be salt and life for you. Father, give us opportunities. Give us opportunities at these kind of traffic signs of life to continue to see your hand in us and recognize just how much you truly are doing in our lives, in your church, and in the world today, despite the tumultuous nature that we see that's so prevalent around us. We thank you for you. We thank you for for your promises. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus, and we ask it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. amen.